everyone. Hello. Welcome to the return for 2016 of The Film Room. Yeah, uh, we're starting off on a little bit of a different foot than we did last time. Yes. Just a bit. Just a <laughs> bit of a different film. Uh, last time, of course, we covered a 75-minute uh, editing of three PSAs into a quote-unquote movie. Today we're covering uh, a movie that routinely ranks um, within the top five of the greatest films ever made. Gee, that's quite a leap. It's, it's the biggest leap I think we could possibly take. This is the first of three Patreon-requested weeks in a row that we're going to be doing. Uh, that's going to be kind of the big theme for January right now, is we're going to cover Patreon requests. Um, we're going to, we've got some very wide-ranging ones. Uh, this week we are going to be covering The Godfather, which is my mother's request. And, may I say, really good choice. Yeah. Yeah, let's just say right now, thanks, Mom. Uh, this is one we actually enjoyed doing. Let's be clear, we're only going to... The only one that I'm going to go into today is The Godfather. Um, I've not... I honestly haven't seen the other two. I have every intention of fixing that with the second one. I have every intention of ignoring the third one like everybody else does. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we have to... Uh, we have to do the second one at some point. It deserves its own proper yeah. discussion. It does. Because it's... It it's it's a it's on a plane unto itself. That is uh, that is true. I just I've never seen it. I've not had the time. I mean, let, let's be clear. It's an epic length film. Time is not always of the essence for me. It goes without saying, though, that among Godfather purists, only the first and second movies seem to count. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I have not seen the third one either. So I mean, no. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> we're not going to be covering the third one at any point in the future. But we're going, going to be covering the uh, first one today. And again, only the first one. So if you're looking for references to the second one, sorry, they're just not coming. But we are going to be covering the first Godfather movie. Um, and let's just, before we get into the film, I just want to talk a little bit about the film's legacy. This is a movie that, as I noted at the top of the cast, is routinely put in the top tier of movies it's put up there with citizen kane it's put up there with uh my favorite film casablanca uh, i mean it's put up there as example as an example of cinema at its greatest um i i don't really want to look at the movie in that light though that's one that i'm really very disinterested in because i think that when you make the argument of is it one of the greatest films ever made that eliminates the question of that to me that keeps you from discussing the actual quality of the film when a movie becomes so enshrined in the canon it stops being something that you can talk about as a living functioning work i have very strong opinions on this movie and uh, i'll be blunt i do think it's a great film um uh, is it one of the greatest films of the 70s yeah absolutely i mean i th this is not a film that I'm against being in the canon, but I don't like the hardness that canon gives when you just... Because it, it prevents the film from being seen as... It makes it a museum piece rather than a living film. Right. In a, in a, in a weird way, The Godfather being canonized kind of t keeps it from being seen as just really what a tremendously entertaining film it is. It is, yeah. It's a richly entertaining film, and... I think to understand why I believe that the film should be approached in a weird way, as I said, I feel like the film should be approached on a more basic, humane level. 
to keep it from being seen. And I think that's when you can really appreciate the film's real strengths. Um, it just this is a, this is a wonderful film. Um, right, uh, right off the top of the cast, I'm just going to say, if you have not seen it, you really do owe it to yourself to see it. Um, I think one of my, like you're talking about uh, uh, how Godfather is viewed in the culture, I think one of my favorite references to it in the culture is uh, from You've Got Mail. Where uh, Tom Hanks, have you seen You Got Mail? I have, but it's been a very long time. Yeah. Well, basically, Tom Hanks just uh, through his internet chats with, you know, his business rival. What is it with men? What is it with men and the Godfather? Hello? <laughs> oh, come on. Hello? Well. Oh, uh, what can I? Michael, come on. The Godfather is the I Ching. The Godfather is the sum of all wisdom. The Godfather is the answer to any question. What should I pack for my summer vacation? Leave the gun, take the canola. What day of the week is it? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. The answer to your question is go to the mattresses. Go to the mattresses. You're at war. It's not personal, it's business. It's not personal, it's business. It's business. Recite that to yourself every time you feel you're losing your nerve. There's real truth to that. I mean, it's funny that, you know, you, you bring up the idea of how men view this movie. Uh, the reason, this was, of course, requested to us by a woman. Um, mm-hmm. This yes. was requested by my mother, who, um, this is her favorite film. Um, hands down. I mean, my mother will drop everything to see it in the theater. She will drop everything to see it when it plays. Uh, she'll drop everything to watch it when it plays on TV, and she's got it in multiple formats uh, because she's got it on uh, DVD. We got it for her for Christmas 2001 when it came out on DVD. She's got it on, uh, in digital form, uh, which is how I watched it for this cast. Um, that's 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 pretty diehard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mother has read the book. She has, uh, she saw the movie on first run in the theaters. When it played at the local art house a few years ago, uh, I actually took my parents to see it. I actually went with them to see it. And that was my first time to see it. Um, amazingly, I'd grown up in that atmosphere and never seen the film. But as I said, I went to see it with them, so I got to see it theatrically for the first time. And it is just such a rich theatrical experience. Before we get into the film itself let's talk a little bit about the production how much do you know about the production um i actually know surprisingly little about the production of this film here is the short version of it it was hell this was a movie that was a nightmare at pretty much every step of the uh way um the film has its roots in a novel that the novelist did not want to write the 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 origins of it are simple uh, mario puzo the novelist um, had written two critically acclaimed historical fiction novels that were just not selling. And someone told him, you should write a book about the mafia because that will sell. Um, Puzo didn't want to write about it. He had no interest in the subject, but he went on ahead and wrote the book anyway. About the time there was like about, uh, I think like 60 pages of it floating around, that got to a scout at Paramount uh, who read it, 
and thought, oh, well, this is really good. So before the book was even published, it was sold to Paramount for an insultingly low amount of money. Yeah, like it was $80,000, I think, was how much they, they got for it. Yeah, I think even with inflation, that's pretty damn low. Yeah, well, I mean, but it was but it was a book from a no-name writer. I mean, I, I think it was just simply that Puzo happened to know the guy that it got in their hands. But Paramount bought it, and they were kind of, I, I think they were just kind of like, well, we don't really know what we're going to do with it, but they thought, eh, we'll, we'll try and do something with it. And, and then something happened that caught everybody off guard. The book was published and became an instant bestseller. I mean, this thing <laughs> flew off the shelves. Um, it, it turns out that even when an established uh, author does go and do hack work, he still winds up doing good work. Um, the book the book was an enormous bestseller and sold through the roof. And so it was in the hands of Paramount, and they immediately were like, okay, well, now we've got something big. Um, the issue that they faced with it was, how did they go about it? Um, mafia movies were not selling well. Gangster movies were selling very poorly, but they had a best-selling, but they had best-selling material here. There's a high likelihood that this could have been a trashy, tacky little movie. That was probably, probably more than likely, actually, except for one thing: Paramount executives were bound and determined to hire an Italian uh, director to do it. Uh, they were determined. Like, they were not going to have this in the hands of white people. They really, they knew, they wanted this movie to be so authentic that you could just, you could feel it, that it could be palpable. Uh, they wanted you to be able to smell the sauce in it, basically. That was how Italian they wanted it. Um, the original choice for this was Sergio Leone, was their original choice. Uh, I could see that. I think that if Leone had done the film, you probably would have had it probably still would rank among the greats. Um, I think Leon would have made a tremendous film. Um, it would now it would not have been the same film by any stretch of the imagination. But it still would have, I think, been brilliant. I, I, Leon's a great director. It would have, yeah. I, I love his westerns. Um, the reason that he didn't do it was because he was already committed to his own gangster epic, which um, got absolutely eviscerated. Um, because of the fact that it was just chopped to all hell, uh, it was it was brutally re-edited. Uh, he had bad luck with that one. Um, but they went through a number of directors um, who were considered for it, and finally it was uh, tossed to Coppola because uh, it was tossed to Francis Ford Coppola because he they knew that he could do it for a low budget, which did not wind up being the case. The film wound up going through severe budget overruns. Um, Coppola only took on the movie because he was in deep debt. Uh, his studio, American Zotrope, was in severe debt to Warner Brothers. He was just... He only did every single one of these movies because he was deep in debt and needed... Yeah, that's the only reason he did the first one. That's the only reason... Well, he did the second one to finance his passion projects, and he did the third one because he was bankrupt. I'm guessing that it did not end up paying off his debt. Actually, it did. I, I believe it did. It I did believe, really? Yeah. Well, it was a it was a financial hit. It was a it was a hit film. Oh, just because it was a yeah, it was, a, it was it at least made money. Huh. Well, well, okay. May not have been a may not have been a good film, but it made money. Yeah. It was. It wasn't a flop. Basically, no. It was not a financial. It was not a financial flop. It just was a critical flop. 
Um, but he, Coppola did okay. Uh, he did okay with this, ultimately. Um, he was hired to basically do this movie cheaply because, again, it was thought that, well, he's Italian-American, he'll do it authentically, which he did. Coppola and Puzo then, uh, they, they didn't always get along very well on the scripting. Uh, they, the final script is kind of something hammered together from the two of them with other writers coming in to do some uncredited rewrites. Uh, this was a mess of a production. Um, then there was the war over casting the lead roles. Uh, Coppola wanted, uh, Marlon Brando to play, uh, uh, Don Vito Corleone. The studio was like, we don't want him. He's erratic. He's problematic. And ultimately, Coppola succeeded. They also argued they wanted uh, a they wanted uh, a white movie star to play um, Michael. They wanted guys like Ryan O'Neill. They wanted uh, James Caan, who wound up being cast as Sonny, kind of as a make good to the studio. Uh, ultimately, it was uh, the unknown Al Pacino that uh, Coppola wound up uh, wanting for the role. I mean, he wound up. Coppola did wind up having some success at uh, getting some control on the project. Um, he also wound up making a much longer film than the studio wanted. Uh, there are reports, but there there are conflicting reports to the point of mythology about did the studio want it shorter or did Coppola want it shorter. It doesn't matter. The film wound up at three hours. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty long film. Yeah, it was a very long film. Um, uh, Coppola did succeed in getting um, a lot of his family members got hired for this movie. Uh, his father worked on the music for it. Um, I know that his children have like small parts throughout the series. We're not going to get into the third movie, I stress. I do just want to note who is in the third movie that who is notable. Uh, Miss Sofia Coppola is in the third. Yeah, movie. let's just all let's just all remember Coppola for uh, Lost in Translation instead. How about that? Let, let, let's all remember her Oscar-winning script for that movie because that's a that's a great movie. That's one of my favorites. Um, Honestly, I like I like each of her films after that I've seen. I've heard I've heard they're all great. I I just haven't gotten around to seeing them. I've heard. I've heard nothing but the best on them, though. I mean, I've heard... Marie Antoinette is strange, but it works. Like, stylistically, it works completely. Um, and uh, the Bling Ring is also great. I heard that one was a lot of fun. That's one I need to get around to seeing. Because uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the subject matter. Um, yeah, I've heard that one's qu quite good. I, I, I like Coppola as a writer. Probably the biggest piece of nepotism that uh, Cop Coppola got was he got his own sister in the uh, movie in uh, the lead role of uh, Michael's sister. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, his own sister, uh, Talia Shire, is, uh, uh, plays Michael's sister. This was before Rocky, uh, for perspective. And honestly, Shire's wonderful in the film. It never comes off as nepotism that she was cast. Uh in fact, I think she probably is helped by the fact that she has that other iconic role from the 70s, which makes her casting seem fitting. But yeah, she's uh, she's Coppola's sister. So, that, uh, so, so, okay, the film was a mess of production, but let's be clear, none of that mattered. Um, the film won, won Best Picture. Um, it uh, won Best Actor, which 
probably one of the worst cases of uh, category fraud ever because when you say best actor for this movie, there's someone who should have won it, um, Pacino, but uh, Brando won for what was really a supporting role. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, he's a title character, but yeah, he doesn't really have much to do in it other than get sick and then eventually die. Yeah. He's the he's the MacGuffin of the film, basically. He's the MacGuffin. That's what he is. He's the sentient MacGuffin. Yeah. It's a good performance. Don't be wrong. It's it's a it's a great performance, but it's a supporting performance. I think do it again today. I think with the supporting actor Oscar carrying more weight, I think they probably I would like to believe that they would do it differently. I don't think they would though. Um, um, the movie was a okay. The movie was a huge critical success upon release. I mean, let's be clear. This is not a movie that took years to be discovered and took years to be reevaluated. This was an immediate success. It was also the biggest grossing film of 1972. Uh, Yeah, I believe 1972. And by far, for a few years, the biggest grossing film of all time. Yeah, this was an enormous film. This movie was a blockbuster, despite the fact that it was a hard R-rated film then, and would probably be a softer R now, but still an R. I mean, it's... Yeah, standards have changed, and this helps change them. It's still a graphically violent film with uh, occasional uh, sex and uh, nudity, so it's it's still weird. Yeah. No, but no, but before this film, uh, how people depicted being shot in films was just you know, you get shot and then the person would just like play act like, oh, I've been shot, uh, fall over. This one actually, they actually had like. You know, the blood squib and the, you know, you get shot and you see blood and it's more, it's more realistic. I think this is the first film that actually did that. It was the film that really mainstreamed it. And well, more than anything else, it was the film that, that showed that you could have that level of violence in a prestigious film. Yeah, exactly. Because from the very first shot of this movie, you know that this is a prestigious film. This is... As I said, I got to see this film on the big screen, and this is a, this is such a... I imagine it looks gorgeous. It is such a gorgeous film. This is a movie... The cinematography by uh, Gordon Willis on this film is some of the all-time, just all-time great cinematography. Visually breathtaking stuff. Uh, There are parts of this film that have never actually been exposed. Like, they're, like, that's how deep the blacks are in it that there are parts of that film that have never been exposed because the blacks are so deep in it that they just, they can't be exposed. That is, this is a movie that is just, it's drenched in browns and blacks and just very cold colors. It's a cold film. Just all in all, like that's just... Yeah, all the way through, it's, you know, it's all about the progression of Al Pacino's character, of course, Uh, but, you know, just life just throws shit at him. Since you've mentioned that, let's let's get that out of the way. The plot of this movie is very simple. This is about the rise of Michael Corleone to uh, control of his family's uh, empire. And his father does not want that for him. He doesn't want it. Because he knows... He knows what it entails, and he knows the danger it will put him in, and he does not want that for him. His father has always 
thought that uh, Sonny would be the one who would wind up controlling the Empire. Right. So, uh, I believe that's um, uh, Robert De Niro. Or not Robert De Niro, excuse me. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, James Caan plays Sonny. Okay. Yeah. I'm not thinking I'm not thinking of him yeah. and I'm thinking of yeah. uh yeah. uh another Robert. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, but Sonny is the hot-headed uh just violent angry one and he's the one who winds up getting set up to be killed early on. Yeah, they exploited that character trait in him and that's what ultimately got him killed. Yeah. The idea was the theory is that Sonny would have been the one to take over the empire, and Michael would be the one who would be the legitimate face of the family. Um, Michael, however, that doesn't get to happen, and Michael, out of a misguided sense of loyalty to his family, instead gets deeper and deeper into this business. Yeah. Um, oh, he tried to escape at one point, only to just have it catch right the hell back up to yeah, him. Yeah, he does. He uh, for a good chunk of the film, he actually escapes to Italy. Um, yeah, and gets married, and you know, with family blessings and all that. And it doesn't work out. It doesn't work no. out. Let the it is we, a car bomb. But I mean, this is um, this is it's a very it's funny because this is a three hour movie, but it's a very simple plot, which is just this yeah. character getting drawn deeper and deeper into this world, and and it's about how he lies to himself at all times. This is a movie about that most American of values, which is hypocrisy. All throughout the movie, Michael tells himself that he's doing the right thing. He's doing right. He's doing this for his family. And it, if it's done for his family, then it has to be the right thing. And what he's doing is he's lying to himself. He's telling himself something that's complete garbage. But he lies to himself. Um, he's a hypocrite. Michael is a hypocrite. Defined. Um... Let's talk briefly about Al Pacino's performance in this movie, because this is unlike anything he's ever done. Since or before. Since or before. We know him mostly as the screaming, ranting guy. So it's kind of strange to watch him in this movie, where he's very quiet. He's very restrained. Yeah, he's, he's the calm, level-headed one, even after, even after he turns to evil. He's almost unrecognizable at this point uh, in his career. He's very young almost pretty it's it's strange to see him in, and and just very restrained uh, this it's hard not to compare him to you know scarface wasn't that far removed from this film uh less than 10 years even and the difference is just immense uh, i'm gonna say right now i hate scarface i don't think it's a good movie yet, at all I do too. see the original if you want to see something great uh, I, uh, what I tell people is if you want to see a good movie like this, watch Carlito's Way instead from the same director and same star. That's a great movie. Yeah. You see, you see the difference between those two is uh, Oliver Stone. Yeah. We are at some I point, really hate Oliver Stone. <laughs> at some point, we are really going to be giving uh, a Stone movie the the... Uh, just the destruction it deserves. I'm not an Oliver Stone fan in the least. I, I forgot what movie it was uh, recently. Like, Dad started watching it, and he was like, I don't... Like, this is so-and-so, but... You know, I don't know, it doesn't look that great. And then 
It's like, hmm. And then we looked at the writing credit, and it was written by Oliver Stone, and we were both like, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always the defining point. Yeah, I am so not a Stone fan. Um, uh, But, again, you, you get back to this movie. This is... This is a different case here. This is a this is a different case here with this movie. Um, again, Pacino is very restrained here. Pretty much most of the performances are very restrained in this film. Actually, that's what this is actually a film of tremendous restraint, aside from the violence. Yeah, and that's what that dynamic shift is kind of what gives it its um, makes the violence all just that much more violent. Yeah, just the fact that it's it's used very sparingly. And for the most part, it's a very calm film. It is. It's, just, it's also tense, but it's calm. Most of this film is 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 most of this film could be mistaken for for a business film. Good chunks of this film are about uh, how the Corleone Empire works, and it works like any other business. You know, there's deals made. There's you know personal relationships are leaned on. You know, associations exist, and you know it's it's a business for these people. It's. For them, it's just about, you know, how they do it. The fact that it's a criminal empire just doesn't seem to really play in. Right. They're just businessmen. Businessmen who, uh, well, kill each other if the deal goes south. Yeah. I mean, the film opens, of course, with that famous sequence of, uh, the, ma- of the, um, uh, Undertaker going to, uh, Don Vito, uh, the Brando character at the beginning of the film and just asking him for, a favor. How much shall I pay you? Marcella, what have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? If you'd come to me in friendship, then the scum that ruined your daughter would be suffering this very day. Be my friend? Godfather? Good. Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Gracias. It's actually explained by Michael that, well, you know, Everybody goes to him for requests because he can't turn down, he can't refuse a request on his daughter's wedding day. But he always tells these people, "If you do it, then I, then I'm gonna, then you're gonna owe me a favor. You're gonna owe me a favor. I'm not gonna tell you when until it comes up, but you will owe me that favor, and you are going to do it." And we're set up to think that okay, it's gonna be something horrible. This winds up being one of the great subversions of our expectations, because mm-hmm. in truth, what he'll do is ask for things that are beautiful and wonderful things that are good and fair um the favor that he winds up asking of the undertaker is after sonny is killed to just make him look good make him look presentable so that uh his mother yeah fix up his face so because sonny is killed in the most violent that's probably the most violent kill in the film yeah because he's just riddled with bullets i mean it's just it's a horrifying scene and that winds up being what he asks for, you know, which is, is kind of poetic. Um, the reason that the man is seeking a favor is because his daughter was uh, violently raped and assaulted. And he wants justice. It's an interesting moment because it forces us right off the bat to be on the side of these people. 
even if we don't even if we know that there are people who are engaged in horrifying business we know our our sense of justice is automatically going to be with these people i think that's an interesting move and it's it's a chilling scene i mean the tension in this movie obviously at 3 hours the scenes do tend to be pretty lengthy uh, the tension tends to be just played up to the hilt and it's chilling one of the characters that we have to hit on uh, is uh, uh, Luca Brazzi. Yes. That's a great uh, short-lived character. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of, the, uh, one of the things in the backstory. Like, I've not read the book, and I guess one of the backstories on that is that um, that's, the only guy, that's the only person that Don Corleone is terrified of. Mm-hmm. Like he's in his employee, he deeply respects him. Obviously, like he's he's sitting there rehearsing, like "Thank you for inviting me to your daughter's wedding." There's a reason behind that scene, actually. The actor was so nervous about working with Brando that that uh, he flubbed his line when he spoke oh. it. Oh. And Coppola thought that was such a great touch that he doubled back and uh, shot that scene. Uh, added it added it in to establish that he was nervous oh my gosh yeah that's great that's a good throw it in which is kind of funny because that's a dichotomy like it's you know the brando character is, is terrified of him at the same time he's kind of nervous of the dawn because he's the dawn yeah and, and i think part of the point of that is that he's supposed to be uh kind of a uh, sociopath mm-hmm. he gets uh he gets a pretty brutal death he, oh, he does, yeah. He gets strangled. Mm-hmm. And you see him just flailing. Boy, that has, it's... It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I just remember the eyes. They're just... Ugh. Yeah, I watched it in November. Uh, it's... Yeah, boy, the, the death in this movie is so, so graphic. I mean, you've got people... Um, at one point, um, a character gets shot in the eye... Yeah, the 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 litany of death at the end. Yeah, which is that's a ch- that's a chilling that's a chilling climax. That's one of the most chilling climaxes ever put to film. The whole movie is about cementing the idea of the five families, which Corleone, uh, Don Vito wants peace. He wants peace between them. He's not seeking to control them. None of them feel the same way. They're all trying to uh, to undermine things, and that means bribing people within the Corleone Empire, including uh, Abe Vigoda's character, who of course gets the wonderful, it was you know nothing personal line. It's not personal, Sonny. It's strictly business. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Ultimately, what this winds up in is the Five Families Empire. Their empires are all consolidated into the Corleone Empire. And it's in that just symphony of death. A, a symphony of death that is set against the uh, christening of Michael's uh, uh, nephew. It's just, that's just so well-timed, so well-scripted. And, you know, and he, you know, and they're, they're Catholic, of course, so it's, you know. Do you renounce Satan? I do renounce him. works 
It's at the absolute moment of his corruption. The moment where he is... Um, I mean, this is on the very day that he's going to uh, see to it that the child's father is killed because the child's father uh, sold out his brother. The child that he's supposed to be the actual godfather, the actual literal godfather, too. Yeah, and he's sold, and he's just, I mean, admittedly, the father in that case deserves to die. He's an abusive uh, monster, and again, he has sold someone out for death. This movie is a morality play. This movie is, I mean, that really is what this movie is, plain and simple, is it's a morality play. It's about doing, it's about misplaced sense of honor. For Mike, for Michael, it's all about his family. And again, I, I cannot stress this enough: how great Pacino really is in this movie because he underplays it, because he just plays Michael as a very calm, normal, rational man. If if he brought that fire and that intensity, it would have felt wrong. What's so scary about Michael is that he truly believes he's doing the right thing. He truly believes he's doing good for his family and he's not not even remotely there's so much i want to say in relation to godfather 2 but i know we're not talking about that we're going to get to godfather 2 my uh, we're, we're going we'll, to get to it we'll probably get to godfather 2 before april let's be clear about that we're we're gonna get to godfather 2 before april because it's it's a lot of extensions and it's also a lot of fleshing out. Let's explain for those who don't understand. Godfather Two is not a traditional sequel. Um, it's actually completing the book. That's oh yeah. That's actually what was done with it. The first Godfather does not actually tell the whole book. There was also no there there weren't any plans for a sequel. Let's be clear. There were no sequel options or you know, and it wasn't like well we're gonna just. In fact, the very idea of it was considered ridiculous, but, well, it made too much money for them not to, and they had material left over from the book. A lot of people consider it to be... I think at one point during one of my film analysis classes, I compared... Like, we were talking about sequels, and I compared uh, Toy Story 2 to Godfather 2. A lot of people do. Just, yeah, in the pantheon of, you know, best sequels ever made. Well, it's a sequel transcending the original is what it is. But let's be clear. Even without that film, this movie still stands alone perfectly because it is the arc of Michael. Michael emerges as a war hero and by the end of it is completely tainted. His hands are completely bloody. He has completely sold out people. I mean, he's not yet at the position where he's willing to end his own family's lives. Uh... But he's he's corrupted in this movie, and what's scary isn't that Michael is that Michael never really questions it. I think that's what makes his arc so unsettling. Is that to him it's like, but this is about my family. It has to be right. Even in the first scene when he's talking with his uh, then fiance, and uh, who's played by Diane Keaton, good performance, uh, and she's oh yeah yeah you know, and he's telling her point blank what his family does. And he's like, you know, he's like a senator or businessman. And she's like, but senators and businessmen don't kill people. You're being naive. And he's like, now who's being naive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, that really is how he sees his family. He really and truly believes, you know, he will start, I know that he has doubts, that I know the doubts are a lot of what the second film is about. He doesn't have them here. 
And that's really, I think, what makes this movie so unsettling is that he he could potentially be a great man, and instead he just willingly chooses this path. He willingly chooses to go into that restaurant and shoot those men. The reason that he goes away to Italy for a time is because he uh, takes down people who were responsible for shooting his father. Again, that, that's, that, that, that does comprise a key portion of the film, is that there was an attempted hit on um, the Don, and there is revenge for it. You really do kind of need a spreadsheet. You need a chart to keep track of what's going on sometimes with the plot in this film. I won't lie. You do sometimes need that. A lot of it is the small family relations. A lot of it is, well, this... But really, they're all pretty simple. It's pretty much this person sold out to this person for money and power. It's not It's not complicated. It's not. It's not actually as complicated as some people, I think, talk about it as. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, but it's... Behind the scenes politics, basically. Yeah. But the real story is, you know, Michael's Michael's arc and his descent. There are so many great supporting performances. It occurs to me we've gotten 41 minutes into the cast and we haven't talked about uh, Robert Duvall as the family yeah, lawyer. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, Robert Duvall. Yeah, Robert Duvall as the family lawyer uh, who... This is this is great. Duvall's great in this. I mean, he's always great, but th- here he's really great. Here he's really unsettling and really vicious. Uh, as the family's... He's more or less the family's attack dog. Uh, yeah. He's the one who sees to it that a lot of the most brutal punishment gets p- uh, played out. Uh, he's the one who keeps people in line. Um, uh, a lot of what happens uh, with the famous horsehead scene can be attributed to his character. We also went 40 minutes without talking about that. <laughs> yeah. The whole horsehead scene is disturbing and terrifying. Um, oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a movie producer, I think. Yeah, it's a movie producer. Oh, oh. I have to, oh, we have to talk about that, too, because that whole plot, that whole subplot, um, with... That was them trying to get a singer in the family uh, mm. a spot on a film. That is a that is a true story that actually happened with Frank Sinatra. Supposedly, I mean, I've heard supposedly. I've heard another version of it, which is that the actor, allegedly what th- there are two versions of it. The version that I've heard that I think probably hues closer to reality is that the actor that was offered uh, that Sinatra replaced. Um, was Eli Wallach, uh, who uh, went on to, who was the leading interpreter of Tennessee Williams. And uh, Wallach was, uh, Williams had another play uh, going and Wallach dropped out so that he could do that because, you know, Williams, they just had such a great working relationship. That's probably the mundane reality of it. But let's go with the fun reality. Let's go with the fun version, which is that uh, Sinatra uh, found... uh, which is that Sinatra connections. Sinatra definitely have mob connections. That's beyond yeah. dispute. There's there's too much hard evidence that Sinatra absolutely had mafia connections. Um and Sinatra um and that those connections bullied their way into the into uh getting the film or getting Sinatra the role in from here to eternity. I don't know which version's true. All that I know is that Sinatra, Sinatra getting that part did get his film career going and uh he wound and then from there he didn't need the mob connections because he just wound up doing great anyway 
I mean, it did help that, in all fairness, Sinatra was a genuinely great actor. Uh, Either way, that is the basis for that subplot. Now, you would know what's amazing? Do you know that Sinatra actually tried to get involved in this movie? <laughs> really? Yeah, he wanted to be involved in it. Uh, oh, I, that's funny. Uh, Coppola didn't want him involved, but... Uh, I think it was Co- I think it was Coppola that ultimately didn't want like I think he wanted the role of uh, uh, Don Vito I think that either that or I forget which role he wanted but he did want in even though there's that transparent plot based on the urban based on at least the urban legend so yeah Sinatra Sinatra wanted in that's that's really funny you got to figure he had to know but that's just it I mean this. That is based on an, at least an urban legend. I don't know what I believe is true. I suspect the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between, yeah. probably leaning towards the mundane reality. But Sinatra's mafia ties are not in dispute. Not even in the least. <clears throat> one thing that I think is funny about this movie is that it is, on one hand, a very dense film. But it's also a very spacious film. Like, at the same time, it's not all that dense in times. There are a lot of sections. It does. It has lengthy sections of breathing time, and they're very good sections. The film allows you to breathe. Uh, it's, again, it, it is such a gorgeous-looking film. Um, so much good I could say about Gordon Willis's work. The score is so great. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what really sticks with me about this film is just how invested you are in this family. And I think that that's what really is so interesting about this film, and I think the reason that it has such an immortality is because it is fundamentally a film about family. It's about that idea of how family matters, and that's what makes the Corleone family so unsettling, is because we do identify with them. It's an interesting thing, uh, because the very last shot of the film is basically asking him, if he has taken over the business and if he's if he's become really deep in it and he says you know he he keeps saying no no don't ask me don't ask me and then he finally like this is the one time in the film where he kind of loses his temper you know he shouts at her but then he says then he calms down and says okay one time i'll let you ask about my business and you know, she says well did you do this thing or did you order- kill Ordering the hit yeah. on his brother-in-law. Right, right. And he lies. He flat lies to her. He says no. No. And that's... And and he does it with such a straight face, too. That's what someone said yeah. about it. Is he's so kind, he's like, no. No, I didn't. Yeah, exactly. And then she sees him, uh, basically, like, she's in the other room, and he meets, with, he shakes hands with all these people, and all these top people, and then... They close the door, and he basically, the last shot of the film is him closing the door on her. His mm-hmm. real family. Exactly. And, and that's and that's what's so unsettling about it, is he, I mean, he, his relationship with his sister can never be the same as a result of this. Because, you know, violent and abusive though he may have been, it was still her husband she had, he had killed. He's, uh, you know, Abe Vigoda's character was all is up until the moment that we realized that he's the one that was actually responsible for everything uh you know for so much betrayal in the film and for selling the family out he does seem like such a trusted and kind associate and let's just point out by the way vigoda is 
mostly known on the internet as a joke almost for, oh, well, he's still alive. Right, yeah, he's he goes on Conan every once in a while, still. Let's not forget that he's a damn fine actor and is wonderful in this film. I mean, there isn't a bad performance in this entire film, uh, that, which is kind of remarkable when you consider how big this film is. There isn't a bad performance in the entire film, and there are very few performances that aren't great. Um, I mean, I really... Brando, I've kind of overlooked a little bit in the conversation because his character is such a MacGuffin, but Brando is phenomenal in the film. He's very moving, and he's very kind and decent. He was actually a bit young for the role, actually. That's the thing that I think people forget is... He was a bit younger than the part actually really required. He aged up a little bit for it. Brando is wonderful. He's very warm in it. But yeah, I mean, getting back to Vigoda, he's become such a joke because of his refusal to, you know, because the the man's immortal, seemingly. Of course, just watch, and I'm recording this, and I'm sure that I'll inevitably wind up uh, dooming us before the film comes out, or before this cast comes out. Oh, no. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But he, but he, but he does bring such age to it, you know. But but he is very good. And I mean, his delivery of that line. I mean, because he knows as soon, because he knows as soon as Michael knows, he knows he's dead, and he just kind of treats it as well. I knew this was going to happen. You know, there's nothing personal. It's just business, and goes off to his death. That's what's so amazing. I think that's the reason that this movie resonates so strongly is because it takes such a business-like attitude towards matters of life and death. Characters treat it so casually and so without thought. And that's unsettling and that's jarring and that really does stay with you. There's just such a forthright attitude towards, the, towards life and death in this movie. It's, it's, it's gripping. In terms of the culture... Uh, this movie is all over The Sopranos. Oh, yeah. For obvious reasons, yeah. I mean, and The Sopranos is generally a show, I guess, that actually does kind of depict how the modern mafia works. Um, and, you know, they did oh, they did their research on it. You know, it is interesting, the ripples that this film creates. Cheer me up, babe. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> it, it's a film that has, again, it's had tremendous impact in terms of the culture. It's stayed, I mean, this is a movie that, first of all, it made the big, at, at its length, it made big, long movies sellable to the mainstream. I mean, at least it helped. I mean, they were certainly around before then, and I mean, you've got movies like The Ten Commandments, which run on an ungodly length, but, pun intended, pun intended. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, this, it's not, it's not epic length, like the four-hour, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or Dr. Chivago, but it's long enough. It, it, it takes material that was traditionally considered not suitable for this length and makes it such and it doesn't feel like it's over long i mean what's interesting is there are some key events in the movie that actually take place off screen if you think about it um michael's marriage uh his uh second marriage we don't see that one 
Think about that. That's a major event, and that just happens off screen. It does, yeah. There's just a later moment, and they're married. There are a few other things like that. I mean, time is such a key theme in this movie. Because so much passes in it. One thing I want to point out is that the studio initially wanted this movie to be made in, uh, to be set in, believe it or not, pres- uh, then present day Kansas City. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Kansas City has a mob history. Uh, to be fair. Oh, let me tell you something that I that I learned while working at Kansas City City Hall. That building is made from is made from concrete. It was made by a concrete company, and it was made by a mafioso huh. who basically who owned a con- who owned that concrete company. Now think about this: a mafioso owning a concrete company. Yeah, nothing good there. Yeah, how many uh, how many bodies do you think are buried <laughs> in City Hall? I don't know. I mean, I d- I honestly don't think that there are, but. Uh, but it's it's kind of a funny it's kind of a funny connection. But yeah, they yeah they made the building with uh, mob concrete, and then they kicked him out of power. Huh. <laughs> uh, Promptly, unreal. Uh, one thing we should point out is the word mafia is never spoken in the movie. No, uh, it never is. Italian. There's a reason for that. Italian American groups, publicly and privately, the mafia itself leaned on the studio and said, "Don't call it that." So they were forbidden from using the terms uh, Cosa Nostra, which is this thing of ours, or Mafia. They were forbidden from using them. Um, they just could not. Now, to be fair, they those terms only existed like once or twice in the script. And so it was nothing to cut them out. But they didn't want them in because they just... they. You know, as if to, I guess, make it ambiguous that these, that the Corleones, no, everybody knew this was a mob movie. Nobody oh, was come fooled. On. Yeah, exactly. Not one person was fooled. Um, it's still spoken of as the definitive mafia movie. Uh, in fact, by the time of the second movie, they were given the permission to go on ahead and use them. Because, because in fact, privately, uh, people, high ups in the mob loved the movie. Love the movie, yeah. Because it made him look good. I, ironically enough. Because because one of the ideas is that the Corleones were principled and stayed out of things like porn and uh, uh, drugs, which in reality the mob so completely did not. In reality, they were deep, deep, deeply embedded in it. And, and anybody who knows anything about the history of the 70s knows just exactly how true that is. <laughs> uh, there's some fascinating stories. Yeah, I mean, again, as reflected in The Sopranos, yeah, real real mobsters love the shit out of that film. Yeah, they love it. It's it, because it makes them look dignified and classy, and it, it it seems like we're talking around this movie to a certain degree, and that's because it is such an experiential film. So much of this this is such a visual film. It's such a a movie of the moments of the small scenes of just experiencing it's it's like music you're, you're you're really it's like trying to talk about music it is cinematic music it is symphonic and it's it's great i mean it's 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 great i just i don't know if if it seems like i am struggling to a certain degree to talk about this movie it is just because 
to a certain degree also the movie is so steeped in our culture that it's you're talking about the mythology of our culture to a certain degree uh, the Corleones are just as much part of our cultural uh, mythology as the Skywalkers. Like, okay, when, when, usually when, like, something like a movie or a TV show makes a reference to uh, another movie, it's usually very obvious. But the one that always sneaks up, the one that always disguises itself as not that until the last moment is... Uh, Whenever people mimic the last scene from The Godfather with the door mm. closing, that yeah. happened on the end of it. That happened at the end of a season of Weeds. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those you don't realize that's happening until, until like the last moment. It's like, oh, oh, I see what you did there. It's the moment that always signifies this character has gone past the point of return. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly, and that's always that's always how it's used in those uh, references, which is actually a really good way to make a reference. It is. I just, this movie is, as I said, discussing this movie as one of the greatest films is a mistake. Just discuss it as a great film. This is a movie that it does hold up. And I, I think to a certain degree, setting it in the, the period of the 1940s does give it it does help the film because it gives it some distance. It gives it some grounding. The film was actually shot on location uh, in New York and Sicily, which really does show because it, it is the location shoots help the film. They give it texture. They give it weight. I just, this is a great film. I mean, this is a movie that deserves its reputation. Um, would I put it on a list of my favorite films? Maybe not, but that's just because it's not the kind of film that does show up there. But as I said, I think it's it deserves to it deserves its legs. It deserves its weight. It's just a very impactful film, and it's it's never really a boring film. I mean, that's what's interesting. Even though it's a very slow film, I don't think it's ever really all that boring. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not at all. The good films challenge you to to say things about them. The bad films are endlessly nitpickable. Short version is, if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. Watch it. We spoiled a good amount for you, but, you know, those are... I think everything we've said in this cast is so deep in the culture anyway. Like, anything we might have spoiled that you probably know it already. If there's a character in this movie, you should expect that they're going to die. Right, exactly. Pretty much everybody oh. in this movie dies. So one thing that I, one thing I want to talk about, what I wanted to hit on, is uh, Brando's death. Uh, that scene was entirely improvised. Yeah, that's, hey Brando. That's very poignant. It's it's very poignant. He he gets a happy for him. He, it's a happy death. It is a happy death. He dies at his home uh, with his grandson. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, dying in front of his grandson is maybe not the, uh, um, but the picturesque way to die, but he dies in... No, he dies like, surrounded by family. He dies surrounded by family. Yeah, he's he dies uh, uh, spending time with his grandson. It's, it's, it's a good scene. This also sets up the idea of oranges playing a role into death. They, this, this is something we'll talk, again, we're going to come back to, 
we're not done with the Godfather. We're we're going to come back to this one probably before April, probably in April. I think maybe will be when we'll look at getting Godfather two in. But uh, those are my thoughts on the film for right now. Um, I just I think it's great. You know where to find it. It's it's easily accessible. It's just great. It's just a great movie. So that's my thoughts on it. It's a great movie. Watch it. It holds up. Absolutely, yeah. Let's, let's see. Next week is next week's going to continue the Patreons, aren't they? Are, are we doing Nathan's next? We're going to let y'all discover what the movie is next week. Nathan's got one chosen, and it's a bad one. We're Okay, guys, we went into a good movie this week. We're going into a bad one next week. We're going to be doing a movie that Nathan has requested that sounds horrible, is probably going to be horrible, and we're going to, we're going to suffer. So that's next. Um, let's thank our patrons right now. Yes, thank you guys so much for your continued support. It helps a lot. <laughs> so, Bridget, this one was for you. Yes. Um, Th- thank you, Nathan. We will hit you up next week. Uh, thank you, Amanda. We will hit you up the week after. Amanda's got a good one planned for the week after, so yeah. So yeah, so thanks to uh, Sheila, Sean, Daisy. Yeah, Sean from No Totally. Got to give credit to that. Guys, thank y'all. Um, and let's do the rundown of where you can find us. You can find us at... You can also uh, find it on the Podbean uh, Android and or iPhone app. It's a direct way to get to us. And we also post the blog there, so details and whatnot. You can also find us on iTunes. They'll publish the day after we publish on uh, Podbean. See, now that I'm in my apartment, I can hopefully keep these things on track. Because I am all alone here. Woo! Woo. Um, yes. It, the, oh god. No, the, the no distractions really helps with getting things done. It really does. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thefilmroom. Uh, our Twitters. I am at Primitive Man PRD, Austin is at Untitled User, and we as a collective are at Film Room Cast. And we update that pretty, pretty constantly. I haven't been because we've been on the hiatus and I've been moving and Austin has been dealing with his own stuff. He's been sick. <coughs> I am now sick. <laughs> and, uh. Yeah, I've been this. I've been sick up, uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's. There's something going around. Because everybody, uh, like half the people I know have been, it's crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, you can find us on our side blog. That's going to be kicking full gear again here. Um, yeah, we've got, um, we, I've already got about 10 volumes of Nostalgia going. Yeah, 1996 uh, is the year that... Uh, we really wanted to do on this because there's so many interesting films that come out in 96. And our first our first volume of that will be up uh, well, it will have been up by the time that you guys hear this. You can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com and please do email us. Yep. So Arrivederci. See y'all later. Michael, you lousy bastard. You killed my husband. You waited until Papa died so nobody could stop you, and then you killed him. 
You blame them for Sonny. You always did. Everybody did. But you never thought about me. You never gave a damn about me. No. What am I going to do? No! 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 Michael, is it true? Don't ask me about my business, Kate. Is it true? Don't ask me about my business. No! Ask me about my affairs. Is it true? No. Thank you. 